0: I'm Sarah Kelly, a Managing Associate in the Employee Incentives Team here at Linklaters.
1: And I'm Ben McCarthy, an Associate in the Team.
0: In this podcast, we'll discuss the EBA's Draft Regulatory Technical Standards, which defines the classes of instruments and alternative arrangements that can be used for variable remuneration under the Investment Firms Directive, which we'll refer to as the IFD. The standards are open for consultation until the 4th of September.
1: The IFD and this RTS are primarily relevant to class two investment firms, including any asset manager with assets under management of at least 1.2 billion euros. The IFD requires at least half of material risk takers' variable pay to be paid in instruments or alternative arrangements. And just on a separate note, you can listen to our podcast on the criteria for identifying material risk takers, which you can find in the description or if you drop me or Sarah an email, we'd be happy to send it to you.
0: So looking generally at the instruments that can be used to pay variable remuneration under the IFD, this includes shares or equivalent ownership interests, subject to the legal structure of the investment firm concerned, share-linked instruments or equivalent non-cash instruments, subject again to the legal structure of the investment firm, Additional Tier 1 instruments, or Tier 2 instruments, or other instruments which can be fully converted to common equity Tier 1 instruments, or written down, and which adequately reflect the credit quality of the investment firm as a going concern. And non-cash instruments which reflect the instruments of the portfolios managed.
1: And also, where an investment firm does not issue any of the instruments Sarah just mentioned, national regulators can approve the use of alternative arrangements fulfilling the same objectives.
0: Yes, so this RTS does two things. Firstly, it defines which instruments fall under the third limb of the categories of instruments that I just listed, namely additional tier one and tier two instruments. Secondly, it sets out the categories of instrument that may be used, as you mentioned, Ben, as alternative arrangements fulfilling the same objectives.
1: Now, many of us will have heard or even come across additional tier one and tier two instruments before. Helpfully, Sarah, these are defined in a very similar way to the current position under the CRD4 regime.
0: That's correct, and to clarify, these are instruments that can be fully converted to common equity tier one instruments or written down within certain parameters. Crucially, the value of these instruments decrease in situations where the credit quality of the investment firm as a going concern has deteriorated.
1: But Sarah, I don't know about you, I've not come across alternative arrangements fulfilling the same objectives before, and after a read-through of the EBA's RTS, it seems the EBA hasn't either.
0: I think that's right Ben, and it's a bit of an odd situation that we find ourselves in. The EBA sets out conditions that the alternative arrangements must fulfil, conditions which align the interests of staff to the longer-term interests of stakeholders, But then it also states that no firms currently use any arrangements that it would see as being alternative
1: arrangements. So, understandably, investment firms are probably wondering how this affects them and what the relevance of alternative arrangements is. Now, Sarah, we've spoken about this, and it seems that as the only firms that will use alternative arrangements are those that don't currently issue instruments of a type listed in the IFD, alternative arrangements will be useful for partnership firms which don't issue shares or instruments that track the performance of the funds they manage.
0: I think that's spot on, Ben. And it's a really interesting point which some of our clients are going to want to consider. The use of alternative arrangements will depend on the legal structure of the investment firm. And this is something that we'd be very happy to speak on in more detail. So for all of our listeners out there, please get in touch with us if this is something that you think will be relevant to you.
1: Now, Finally, when we read through the RTS, we spotted a few general items which are likely to be of interest to most firms.
0: Yes, Uh, so one of the things worth mentioning is that we expect that the prohibition on paying interest or dividends on deferred remuneration, as currently applies to CRD4, will be replicated under the IFD. Another point is that we also expect the EBA to apply a retention period of a minimum of six months generally under the IFD, but this prescribed period is currently not replicated in the UK's implementation of the regime post-Brexit transition period. So they're just a couple of points to keep in mind. So to round off, we hope you found this podcast interesting. If you'd like to speak in more detail about anything we've discussed today, then please do get in touch. Our details can be seen here, and there is also contact information in our client briefing. And if you haven't received that, then please do drop Ben or me an email and we'll send it to you.
1: In addition, you may be interested to listen to our podcast, which discusses the timing and implementation of the IFD rules. It's in the description or you can drop Sarah or me an email and we'll send it directly to you. Thank you for listening.